0: If I can have the panelists uh, one by one, please come up. Uh, see, Paul, there you are.
1: So looking around and looking at this room, uh, it's, it's so wonderful to see a, a full, full room.
0: So gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Andreas, please. Thank you. Ariel, thank you. Hello, James. Thank you, Nicholas.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, good afternoon. My name is Stuart McAlpine from the London office of Dyden Co. Uh, We're one of the biggest marine law firms in the world. And um, it's a pleasure to be in Shanghai today. It's always a great pleasure to be in Shanghai. Um, So we're going to talk um, to a group of of bankers, shipping bankers with a lot of experience um, in the industry and with, um, I think, um, a lot of insight into uh, the um, current state of of shipping finance today in 2018. It's a complex um, situation, I think everybody would agree. I think that um, I, I first started working in shipping finance about 30 years ago. And um, compared to today, it, it seemed very, very, very simple. Then it was really about the banks. Today it's about um, a lot more than um, uh, commercial banks. Um, we've heard from um, a very interesting panel of um, senior people talking about Chinese leasing, um, which is um, it was, a, I think, a very fascinating uh, presentation and series of comments um, from those gentlemen, and I thank them for that. Um, and, um, uh, and, of course, we're going to be followed by the Alternative Finance Panel. So it's a complex situation. And um, what I'd like to do now is just quickly introduce everybody. Going down uh, from, uh, from Daryl Tan here on my immediate left, Head of Transportation and Logistics for Asia Pacific at ABN AMRO Bank. Uh, then James Tong to his left, MD, Head Asia Pacific and Japan. Global Shipping and Logistics, Citibank, it's quite a mouthful that, but I got through it. (laughs) Andreas Austen, Head of Shipping, Offshore and Logistics uh, for Asia at uh, at DNB, the Norwegian Bank. Then Rosemary Goh, MD, Head of Maritime uh, um, Industries, Asia Pacific, Nord LB. And then finally, last but not not least, Mr. Paul Taylor, Global Head of Shipping and Offshore Finance at Societe Generale. So we have a good cross-section of um, European and, of course, city us um, focused institutions. Um, so what I would like to do, I would like to um, first of all ask, I'm going to start with Paul at the, at the other end of the, uh, of the line, and ask Paul to comment on um, the, the, the European banking landscape as he sees it at present, and the appetite for, for growth among the European banks, uh, both globally and here in Asia. The landscape is changing. Some banks are in. Some banks look to be um, going out. Uh, so it's it's um, it's confusing. What does it mean for the wider market, and what does it mean for your bank? So, Paul.
3: Okay. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, quite a few questions in one there Stuart. <laughs> but I'll try to answer them. But uh, we have to remember that it's not so long ago that um, the majority of the uh, shipping finance market was actually uh, with the European banks and. Uh, my word, how, how that's changed in the last, in the last few years has been this massive shift to, to the east. Um, so yes, um, the landscape has changed hugely. We've, we've seen several um, banks actually leave the market uh, for various different reasons, and, and we're not just saying some banks, some of the actual largest banks in the market have, have exited. They may come back, who knows, but I, I'm not so sure. Um, others have retrenched back to Europe. Others are concentrating on their portfolio management rather than new business, and then we put a small matter of regulation, all four and um, fair value. Um, so we're seeing uh, banks will have to put more capital aside to do less business. So I, I think that the European banks are uh, this market. There's a huge amount of uh, knowledge, but I don't. I, I think that the shift to the east is going to continue. So. And that's going to lead to opportunity opportunity for those banks who maybe haven't sought to be so large in the past. I think we're one of them, but we're not certainly the only one. Um, banks who can um, grow from a lean portfolio, who have got clean portfolios, um, can compete more and take up some of the slack. But you know, sure, there's still competition out there. Um, and if you're, if you're focusing on the top end of the market, it's a crowded space. Really crowded. So there is no less competition just because the European bank landscape has changed.
2: And if, if I could just in, interject there, I think the fact is that that the commercial banks typically today are focused on the top on the top end of the market. Mm. It's that top 20% that um, um, fundamentally banks like SG and others here represented want to want to lend to. Um, and it's that 20% that, that have the, um, um, the, the variety of choice that was talked about on the, uh, on the panel bef- before lunch. So I'd like to come, if, if I may, to James, to you, for, from a, just, just rather than um, you, you know, having a series of European bank perspectives, maybe you could give uh, your view and the City
4: view on, um, on this topic. Sure. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm really glad that actually the leasing panel before they did not really single out American banks that the failure was more the European one. <laughs> <laughs> Just a joke. Um, I, I think that um, for the shipping industry itself, if we continue to look at it as asset financing, there will always be asset to finance. But if we continue to look, if you look behind the asset itself, what are these vessels are for, looking at the trade behind it, then there's another way to look at it. Um, I think over the last 20 or 30 years, that shipping finance have been dominated by European banks because it was booming. The landscape was very different, particularly after China accession to the WTO, the, the trade is going in double digit. We do need a lot of ships for the global trade, where they drop out tankers. I think that was just a booming years. But at the same time, the landscape has changed. Um, the unimaginable has happened. Hanjin also collapsed. Uh, chip money is no longer available. There are lots of changes, so I think it's good to have new players in the market. Um, but I think it would be wrong to assume the new players to be the substitute or replacement because the landscape has completely changed. I think in the before the eighties, most of the bank were financing shipping was in, in fact, American bank and Japanese bank too. So a shift is very constant. A bank have different strategy, different portfolio management up to a point. And I think capital market, I've always emphasized, is where the US dollar is the deepest. The rating agency was not able to uh, rate shipping industry in the past. We always think that it's a non-investment grade industry. So deter a lot of ship owners to go to get rating, also to basically hand the dirty laundry out to the market. Because there's still a lot of commercial bank uh, providing the facilities. I just think that going forward, there will always be banks coming back here to look at as a asset financing, but for those more forward-looking shipping company would source different type of financing, including capital markets, because there will be more knowledge now in the rating agencies, in the investors from the capital markets. There's no interruption, pretty much like the project finance in the last 10 years used to be handled by banks. 10 or 20 years, 30 years, that should be okay. But regulation, capital charges, will move that out of the banking business. Someone will pick that up
1: from the capital markets. This is what I see. Go ahead. Thank you,
4: James.
2: Uh,
1: uh, Thank you. Um, Thank you. I think there's two, I just want to shoot in the two comments. And um, you, Paul, you mentioned the two-tier market. uh, And you mentioned the, the capital markets. And I think for the shipping banks, we've been around for a long time it's a tremendous amount of understanding of the shipping markets within our institutions. And lending is just one of the services that we provide. Uh, We do raise a lot of capital, and we are a financial partner to many of our long-term clients. And I think leasing that we discussed uh, earlier is a fantastic new source of capital into this industry, and we work very much with many of those leasing houses to solve our clients' needs. Uh, I think... um, Uh, Going capital markets, there's also a difference how they are evolved around the world. And I think the deepest capital markets for sure are in the United States in the dollar-dominated market, as you mentioned. But also in Scandinavia has a very high or uh, have historically shown a good risk appetite to finance a lot of shipping and offshore projects. And uh, we have done, in our institution, 20 high-yield bonds only in the first quarter of this year and more than 70 maritime high yield bonds since 2014. So raising um, use $11 billion of of capital to this industry. So that is also an alternative source of capital uh, that you have. And these capital markets might not be open, all of them, at the same time. So mentioned by some of the ship owners earlier today, having a different source of capital and always being ready to tap the different markets, uh, I think it's a very good strategy. Thanks, Andreas. And actually, I'd, I'd just like to sort
2: of de- develop, um, develop that a little bit, because what struck me from the, 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 fir- the panel before lunch was that the, the owners were saying the banks will remain um, important in this industry. There didn't seem to be any, any disagreement uh, in, on that. James, I think, he's going to disagree with me, so we'll come, we'll come to that in a second. And the gentleman from the Chinese leasing houses were saying, we see ourselves as a bridge and we want to develop that bridge into a, a, a wider platform, which suggests to me that they see um, what they have to offer as being something complementary to, to what the banks have to, ha- have to offer. James, you, you, I'm going to come to Daryl and Rosemary in a minute, but James, you were disagreeing with me, so why don't you just kick off briefly
4: on that one? If you look at it as an asset a financing, yes, bank will always be there as an asset financing, it's pretty much like any mortgage loan. But over the last, since the financial crisis, in fact the one that who stepped up are the export credit agencies. They have been the one that providing quite a stable sources of income, uh, sorry, stable sources of finance, and then the leasing company also comes along. Um, I think this would be the, the, the major financial sources because the objectives are very different. ECA's objectives are more for export, so long there will be export for, Shipping nations, then they will be there to support it, whether there will be finan- they, whether there will be commercial loans or not. So that is my opinion. Right. And then, just like right. Andres mentioned, that the various capital markets too. I think the the offshore Norwegian bond market was really active for shipping companies because they were not rated, right? There you can get a lot of unrated bond like these. But as I mentioned, the investor, the rating agents have caught up their knowledge now. So I think they build up quite a hey, a lots of knowledge in the industry. So I think they will be replacing some of the banks, right. I think the knowledge is catching up for sure for the so, other banks. Okay,
2: that's, that's great. That's very helpful. Rosemary, I'd like to come, come to you and just ask you to, um, you know, just, just to comment on this, um, uh, this point that, that's, that, that we're discussing about, you know, looking, looking, looking forward and, and the, the point made about the Chinese um, leasing houses seeing themselves as forming a Um, a bridge or a platform um, in the the future to future cooperation with uh, the commercial banks. How do you see it? What's your perspective from Singapore?
0: Well, um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I would say that uh, they do uh, bridge uh, a gap, and and that is really something we have benefited. I think um, I'm a little bit different from where I'm coming from. on a different situation as Paul. Uh, Paul is is probably uh, in a better situation because he's probably entering the market, uh, shipping market, with less of a legacy to deal with. Um, Obviously, from our European background, from a German, uh, as a German bank, um, we have a little bit of a legacy portfolio. Um, But the bank remains committed. So, we see Chinese leasing houses really as true partners for us. Um, it is, we have done quite a number of transactions um, over the last few years. We've been getting to know each other a little bit better, and 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 I think that going forward, this will be the structure that, that will will be here to stay for a while. Uh,
2: so, like a sort of a co, um, co, a partnership, partnership, yes, co, a co a partnership, yes, a co partnership structure. Yes. Daryl. Uh, I'd I'd like to come to you and I'd like actually to sort of um, take the discussion a little bit into um, this jurisdiction and into China. ABN, I think it's fair to say, has been very, very active in the market. Um, in the last in the last year or two done a lot of deals and um, um, how do you see um, you know how do you how do you see what ABN can offer here in the Chinese market that's really what I'd like you to focus on
5: right uh, thanks Stuart, and good afternoon everyone uh, indeed so ABN has been quite active in the market in the last couple of years uh, there has been a retreat of some of the traditional banks in ship financing and we took the opportunity to step up uh, also because uh, we, we have a healthy portfolio and that offers a lot of opportunities for us. Uh, we see China as an important um, well, region for us uh, in the bank. Um, we want to grow here in Asia and of course uh, here in China. compared to, say, in in Europe and in the U.S., uh, owners tend to get better terms. It's just much more competitive here in Asia with, um, well, the European banks are here, the the American banks are here, and then you have competition from Asian banks as well. And like what has been said on the panel, uh, lenders like to go for the top-tier names, or the top 20 percent. So if you want to go for that slice of the market, you're just basically uh, competing with uh, everyone in the same space. Um, well, I, I think it's it's not easy for us, uh, to be brutally honest. Uh, where we see we can make a difference is that we have a global franchise, uh, we're very well connected internationally with different ship owners, and we, that can allow us to provide strategic ideas to owners here in the region. Uh, we, we have a large platform that makes use of the global capital markets, which can give access to clients here in the region as well. Um, on top of that, well, James mentioned the use of ECAs. We are a very strong bank that has uh, utilised the ECAs financing for clients a lot in the last few years, and we can use that with clients here in the region as well.
3: Thanks, Sarah.
2: Paul, you do you want to jump in there?
3: Yeah, I just want to say that I mean, it's not really an option as to whether... We're, we're active in China, and it's, it's the epicenter of the, of the shipping market, of the shipping finance market as well. Now, um, but it's a question of being relevant, because as a European bank, if you just if you just come to China and try to compete with the lowest price dollars, eventually your bank will stop you doing that business. So of course you have to be competitive, um, but you've got to go in there and add something. You've got to add value, and so you've got to focus on. Well, we have to focus on our core strengths um, and actually uh, provide you know, smart capital. Um, because if if we don't do that, um, our role is a short-term one. So it's very, very important to add value and have smart capital
2: by by offering flexibility, different product product choices. Will you focus on your strengths? Focus
3: on your strengths first of all. Right. Um, but it's of course the debt is uh, is mandatory. We have to provide that. But also providing financial, commercial advisory business, of course working with ECAs, and then you've got the small matter of, you know, one belt, one road, yes. and all the
1: opportunities that come from that. Yes, great.
2: Andreas, can you g- give us some comments on that, please?
1: Uh, I, I think uh, Paul is uh, hit it, uh, very, very right on that the banks need to offer uh, something uh, different than just lending. I think that all banks have a different platform that makes them unique based on their strength. Um, some banks have a very strong uh, trade finance platform and know the clients and the industry from that perspective. Uh, others are extremely good in cash management and has a global reach out to that. Um, you have the Scandinavian banks and the capital markets there and the American banks. So it's all a different niche, I think most of the banks can offer uh, a lot of uh, different uh, advice on. on Many the same services, and that's good for competition. But there are also some places or some areas that banks excel at. Yes. So I, I think that's what we're focusing yes. on. And um, lending, of yeah. course, will always be important for us. But yeah. uh, we need to find the structures that uh, also make sense from the bank.
2: Yeah. My 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 sense my sense is that, uh, and as, as for as long as I've been in shipping finance, you know the the bankers that I've spoken to have have. Um, often said that um, you, you know, they, they want to um, have a holistic approach to a client relationship, and to um, ex- expand that relationship beyond lending. But um, it, it's, it's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't mind you, your commenting on that. I, you know, that my, my sense is that it's easy to say, but it's more difficult to do. Anybody wanna?
3: Well, I'm sorry, I don't talk the microphone, but um, yeah. absolutely. Um, Your base product has to be lending, Mm. but um, it's important for the bank's uh, return on capital, particularly as the capital charge uh, becomes more expensive under four, to to make a return that that, justifies the outlay. So you can do that in many ways. You can provide high-priced debt, but that's probably not going to get you very far in in this part of the world, Um, or you can provide other services and solutions. So I would say as long as you're making your capital return, it can be justified, but providing non, non-debt facilities and, and solutions is going to be pretty important in, in getting your capital allocation within the bank to actually provide the service you require. Yes.
2: And, and the regulatory
3: environment, um, I think in
2: particular for EU-regulated and US-regulated banks, is, um, is particularly difficult. And I, I was talking to somebody uh, you know, before the lunch break about the state of the market. Would it be likely or not so likely that you know we'll see a resurgence of of um of, of bank lending in the next uh, five to ten years is it likely that many of the banks who have exited um could come back in at some point because as we know that 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 happens and the gentleman that i was speaking to was uh he referred to the regulatory capital issue and the fact that it's um uh, the the amount of capital that needs to be set aside in the context of a, tr- of a shipping transaction is significant and his view was that the market has changed um for as long as we can sort of foreseeably you know look, look into the into the future so just to come to this regulatory capital issue and maybe um maybe Daryl, you could kick us off on this i mean how, how how do you how do you see the situation from that perspective
5: yeah no, i think definitely uh, what you said is it's, it's definitely uh, it's fully right it, uh, it is becoming much more difficult for the, tra- the traditional ship lenders fra- from a regulatory perspective. I think uh, what will evolve or what will happen more is that uh, ship financiers would try to use uh, ECS more because that would give relief from a capital perspective. Uh, working with strong corporates or um, Chinese leasing companies that have good ratings that helps as well, and also maybe the use of credit insurance that has not been discussed very much, but that's no. still a relatively untapped market. I, I don't know if at some point um, credit insurers would step up to the plate mm. to to help with the situation, but that's definitely something that needs to be explored.
4: James. I think we have to look at the, the different sides of the coins too. So so long there's a bank that will be lending. There's nothing sexy about a banking, it's about deposit and loan, so loans will always be there if there's deposit. Maybe we should look at it, instead of offering a long tenor, if the shipping project itself is so good, there should be more equity in place, lower LTV, shorter tenor, that might be another way to look at shipping too. So we always seem to like to stretch the loan longer as, as LTV and pay little. So it's just a shifting the risk back to the owners, because as I always mentioned on the, on, on the conference, it might not be a bad thing. Because the lower the LTV that you can get financing, the higher pricing, you actually create a barrier of entrance. You don't allow any speculation and or, 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 or investors in the asset and hoping to gain out of the market value. I think probably you have to look at it from the operator perspective or looking at as a speculation perspective. So that could be the case too. That could go back to more safety, uh, safer, safer way to lend out of the, the bank at the end of the day the depositors would need to be protected. In that sense, they, they, they should take less risky projects. Yes, yes.
5: Um, I, I like that thought uh, or that comment, but m- maybe we need the leasing companies to coordinate with us to make sure that doesn't or that happens.
2: Yes, uh, and in fact, uh, I, I'm, uh, um, uh, Cecile Lee from Kwang said something very interesting. She said that generally, um, at this stage in the market, she finds the leasing companies more innovative, that the banks um, uh, are more constrained by regulation, and that um, the owner is is therefore getting more flexibility, and I I thought those comments were were, were very interesting. The other other, um, uh, um, interesting aspect of this, I think, is – and it has been mentioned – is how will the leasing companies weather a downturn when – I mean, that will will happen maybe um, in some sectors. It has already, already happened. And, um, you know, if anybody, if anybody wants to jump in and comment on that, that's fine. And I, but I think, we, you know, we, we're all, everybody's asking that, that, that question. What will the, um, what will the, the, the decisions be once a downturn bites and, um, and, and people maybe have to think about uh, uh, how they're going to allocate their capital going forward? Um, I'd like to come to, uh, just re- spend a couple of minutes Focusing on the sectors, and I don't want each of you to go through your thoughts on each of the sectors necess- necessarily. But it would be it would be um, good to hear from you in terms of which um, you know which ones that, that, that you, you feel particularly excited about today, as we uh, um, as we as we, we stand here in April 2018, and and which you're not so excited about. I mean, Rosemary, would you would you like to t- take that
0: one? Well, um, for the bank. Uh, for NordLB, we are not really sector-specific. Uh, uh, um, we are not biased. Um, however, I think to be realistic, to to bring a offshore oil and gas transaction today, I think that would entail a long discussion with credit. <laughs> um, for the bank, I think from the experience that we have, uh, we are pretty supportive of, of um, uh, specialized assets and uh, we've also got substantial experience uh, in cruise and ferry business. So I would say that would be the sector that we will be looking at uh, more closely um, and last year we were in a syndication um, together with KFW for uh, four units of river cruise. This is public mm-hmm. knowledge, is in our annual report. Um, with a Asian uh, ship owner, it's for four units of river crews, um, and they are operating in in the German rivers, so uh, European rivers. So um, yeah, that will be the sectors that we are looking at. Thanks, Thanks
3: Rosemary. Um, Paul, Paul, maybe you could you could go next if if you have a issue. Of course, um, I think the long-term fundamentals in LNG and offshore production remain good. Um, so we for a disproportionate amount of that type of business. But actually, you know, we're pretty agnostic when it comes to, to sectors. We're on a corporate basis. You know, if we could get, get closer to our clients, understand their strategy, we'll support them through a good and a, and a less good environment. You know, loans, shipping loans tend to be long-term facilities. You know, they are seven to 12 years. And to, you to know, go through more than one cycle. So I wouldn't say banks are always the smartest um, creatures because the, you know, banks tend to support um, shipping transactions in, in, when, when the market's quite strong and don't when the market's weak. And we should really have a much more anti-cyclical approach to the market and arguably be having a, you know, having a, a preference really for the, for the markets which are weaker today. I don't think banks as a
1: whole are particularly good at that. So we,
3: we have a corporate approach. Andreas, thanks Paul.
1: I, I think that's very right. And we, we, we have the same approach. It's more the client focus for us. We follow our clients the, in their uh, investments uh, and with the, in their segments. And we, we work with them uh, in through those cycles. But, but to your point, Paul, I think when we look at the corporate perspective versus a project perspective, we always look at the balance sheet of, of your client. And in good times, those balance sheets look better and have to set aside less capital. In, uh, in, yeah. in the bad times. So uh, when the balance sheets are, are weaker, uh, the bank debt is uh, then more expensive, uh, although from a uh, you know, cyclical point of view, it might be a better time to, to right. invest. But um, there are inter- interesting trends in many segments, and Cruise uh, is being mentioned at, as a segment that is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, There are only two to three yards, uh, so it's more similar to aviation in that respect, and most of the new buildings are funded with ECA financing. But that market is evolving over time, uh, and it's a a quite um, big uh, new building activity as well, but still also increasing demand. So um, that's an interesting segment uh, as well as other industrial uh, segments.
2: Thank you, Andreas. Daniel?
1: I,
5: th- I think most banks are not dissimilar. Uh, we are sector agnostic as well. Um, we, we work with clients, so, and we see shipping as a cyclical business. So actually, if there's too much positive in the segment, that can be a worrying trend because uh, you tend to see ship owners going to the shipyards again making new orders, and what can be positive might not be uh, lasting for a very long period of time. And so for us, we always look at the client first. Uh, it's not always big corporates. We can work with um, sort of the medium-sized clients as well, um, but we like owners which are prudent. We've seen the cycles. Uh, liquidity, it's always a big discussion and that they would they should have or um, they do foresee sufficient liquidity to last through the difficult times in shipping.
2: Thank you, Andres. James, any, any particular comments? I one?
4: like the container ship sector uh, because it's been much consolidated, only a few alliances there. I believe that there will be more consolidation going forward. So it, become, it should be become more like a utility industry, it should be stabilized, and then margin should be pretty predictable. Uh, rather than having a boom or bust, but that will take some another few years. And then it will be the next one regulation on the Knox and Cox scrubbers, a lot of ships will be scrapped. You have a new new breed of assets, you need to be replaced. So I think five years time, almost all sectors should be booming because a lot of ships will be taken out of the system. I think this is the wishful thinking of a lot of owners. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I, I do think that the container ship should be more stabilized from the operator perspective. Um, so, if it is lending out to the operators, it should be okay, but if you lend uh, it out to the owners and charter to the container ships company, then you will need to ring-fence yourself based on the tenors and your exposures. That's how I look at it.
2: Okay. We've got about ten minutes left, and there are a couple of topics that I want to cover in the, in the, last, um, in the last ten, 10 minutes. Um, I want to ask the bankers to look into the crystal ball a bit and try and project forward over the next five years or so, I think going beyond that is um, not very sensible. But before doing that, I, there's a topic that I wanted to raise which which is really the, the subject of sustainability and um, corporate responsibility in shipping. There's an, an awful lot quite rightly written um, about this today and it's a, it's a topic of, of growing importance, I think. And of course, um, for banks and other players in ship financing it is um, uh, something that they're paying more and more attention to. So I would just like a few comments uh, from you know those, those of you who um, you know might wish to comment on this Andreas do you want want to kick off on that? Well, uh,
1: well I think um, corporate uh, responsibility is becoming uh, more important for all banks um, particularly in Europe. Um, and I think it's important that we also, um, have a good dialogue with all the parties within the uh, shipping markets and how we can tackle the issues that are for our industry. And uh, what's been mentioned with uh, NOx and SOx and uh, uh, better fuel uh, and uh, the regulations that are coming, that is important. So having a good dialogue with, uh, with owners, I think that is uh, crucial also looking what can we do as lenders, what can the class do, what can the ship owners do. And we see that most ship owners take this topic seriously. Uh, There might be a different level of transparency where the listed entities uh, have become much more um, advanced, I would say, than some of the private. Uh, But I think the private companies are also thinking about this and working on it on their board level, but they haven't Maybe yet uh, formalize their own policies. But I think that is something that we need to uh, tackle uh, in a transparent and good way, as other industries have done it as well. Thank you. Uh, Anybody else? Yeah, I was just going
3: to say LSG uh, yeah. is it's a massive issue. Uh, I think all, all banks have a, have a responsibility to uh, make. make shipping a, 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 greener, a greener business and so and we're mm-hmm. no different um, so we, S- SG's joined um, a consortium called CLNG and yeah. um, to to push LNG as a fuel so um, I heard the presentation this morning, the panel um, we think LNG will be a, a fuel of the future certainly and, uh, and we're the only bank on that consortium and we take well pride in that but we don't want to be the only bank on the consortium, we want other banks to join us so I think it's, it's really key and I think yes there's a a responsibility
4: issue, but it's a business opportunity issue as well. So we Thank you, Paul James. Uh, I, I think that the ship owners, shipbuilding industry, should take active approach to be a active participant in that, rather than leave it to the regulators. Most of them might not be the industry expert to impose regulations that might not work. So I would suggest it. The player itself should be the one who's driving the policies and step up with the production. Banks, I think, we're just facilitating that. And we, at the end of the day, we are not the operators, right? We just lend a bit less, put it this way. Yes, someone might out of business, but I think it would affect the shipping business more if yeah. their players are not active in yeah. driving these environmental issues. does Doesn't it have to be done Though. I mean, yeah, of course, of, of course it could yeah. be jointly, but I just yeah. think that not a lot of regulators do have shipping expertise. It's
1: true. Right? I, I think <laughs> you, you, you're touching to a very important issue, and it's not only to do what is uh, the right thing to do uh, when you think about it, but also how do you control your reputation and make sure that you control it and nobody else. Mm-hmm. And be aware that we all live in a fully transparent world these mm-hmm. days. And everything is tracked and monitored on GPS and uh, on the social medias. So I think it's important to be aware of that and uh, be prepared and have a good policy on, on corporate respons- responsibility.
2: Thanks, Andreas. That's great. So um, I think each of you is going to probably have about uh, one minute each to talk about the future and where you see, uh, where you see your institution in uh, however long a period, it could be five months or five years, up to you. Rosemary, I'm going to ask you to go first.
0: Um, Well, NordLB remains committed and invested in shipping. Um, We have a rather ambitious target this year. Um, For new business, um, we have been allocated 2 billion for 2018, of which 800 million euro is reserved for for Asia. In the medium term, um, we see the portfolio to be around 10 billion euro. Um, Of course, we are also one of our key um, focus this year would be to reduce our non-performing loans to about euro 5 billion by 2019. So um, just as a closing, we remain committed to shipping. we would definitely find our partners, um, whether it will be through bilateral relationships or working together with the Chinese leasing houses.
2: Thank, thank you, Rosemary. Uh,
1: Andreas, why don't you go next? Uh, we will um, strive to be uh, a global uh, leading financial partners uh, for uh, our customers within uh, selected industries, within the ocean industries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you very much, Darrell, I'm going to come to you.
5: Yes, it sounds cliché, but indeed, uh, ABNM role uh, would well, remain dedicated to the industry. Yeah. Um, we are committed to our clients, and we want to be there for the long term. Uh, we want to become more relevant for our client and for the industry as well. well. Personally, for me, we would definitely want to grow our exposure here in Asia and um, to extend our client base further.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, James?
4: Um, for City, we have been committed to industry. We might not be the one that who directed lent to our clients, but we don't think that is necessary because we do think that we're the best house to source different capitals, different forms of capitals for our clients' need. So we continue, continue to be the innovative bank to bring new products and new investors into this industry it's to make, continue make this industry vibrant. Thank you very much. And Paul. Thanks, Jim. Uh, SG has
3: scoped to grow significantly in this sector, um, so I expect that to continue. It it started over the last 18 months, um, but that growth has to be smart growth because uh, we don't just want to lend for lending's sake, because big is, it's not necessarily beautiful. Uh, It can be, but it needs to be done in in a smart way, and so we we will continue to focus on our strengths of being a structured and project finance bank and an advisory in capital markets player. Um, and we will achieve growth in, in that fashion.
2: Thank you very much. Um, so we, we do have a couple of minutes left and um, I, I would at this uh, stage like to invite anybody to, um, to ask questions. I think um, one or two of the guys here may have to leave quite soon to catch a flight so they might not necessarily be available uh, during, the, um, you know, during the next, the next break. Uh, so if anybody has anything to ask them, just doing a quick scan. Oh, sorry, there is one. Uh,
5: thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for the panel. Uh, one uh, quick question. Uh, considering the coming um, Basel 3 or 4 even, and the Chinese deleverage, Whatever you name it, um, for the new building orders that placed by European owners or American owners, especially for um, dry bulk and the crew tankers, um, what do you see? The let's say the the, the, the uh, for the for this panel and a uh, previous panel, what do you see? The percentage in the let's say who will gain more shares in the next? two, three years, this panel or previous panel for the yeah, dry bulk and crude uh, crew tankers. Thank you.
1: I think it might not be necessarily um, that important who's providing the financing, but who's sourcing it. Uh, and uh, there is a lot of um, attractive sources of capital for new buildings now. And you mentioned some segments. Would they have, for instance, long-term contracts attached? You know, it's uh, huge uh, spectrum opportunities or capital you then can source to finance such vessels, pre- and post-delivery, I would assume. So it all depends, uh, but I think it will be a mix.
5: And I, I think it's not a competition. I think uh, the, the banks on this panel are not looking uh, to try and gain market share by uh, competing or undercutting banks. And like uh, Paul said, big uh, is not always beautiful. I think, um, like what Andreas has correctly pointed out, it's most likely going to be a mix. Um, that we might also be working with people on the previous panel, uh, together with ship owners, to provide a uh, different source of capital to the market.
3: And I think that, that, I mean that's, that's the point. It's not totally a competition. It can be. But it's working together. So I think banks, international banks, now are working with with the Chinese leasing companies. It works very well, and um, it can work. It can work both ways with with the banks bringing bringing transactions, bringing clients to to the Chinese leasing companies. So um, yeah. yes, the Chinese leasing companies are going to remain uh, you know, massive, and there may be some reduction in the European banking landscape. Just to bring it back to the first question, over the next few years, but um, they'll both be involved.
2: seems to have stopped. So I think
3: that's it. I would just like to thank um, uh,
2: Rosemary and the four gentlemen here very much for um, participating. Hopefully you enjoyed the the, the discussion and um, um, we'll now leave the stage. So thank you very much for listening to us. Appreciate it. Thank Thank you.